on November 9th, 2018, I started a Facebook blog page, Zero Shame 40s, as an homage to my shame-focused therapy. And for some reason, people liked it. And here we are. The page is all about me, Lacey J. But the podcast is all about you. Season one, my friends and family agreed to chat with me about their unique lives. Everyone has a story if you're willing to listen. Hey guys, welcome back to ZSF the podcast. This is episode number two, and this is Lacey, of course, here with hubby Ben. Say hi. Hi. Um, so how are you today, Ben? Well, um, the weather's turned foul again, so I'm, you know, we've had a nice April so far and, uh, I'm ready for it to do what it does in Seattle and turn into two more months of rain before we hit to get to July 4th and then another two weeks of rain after that no. before we actually get to summer. <laughs> no, that'll be somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I'm feeling it too. I actually, I'm, I know we both actually appreciate the way it rains here. Yeah. It gets misty and beautiful and everything is so green. We just came home from running an errand and we're both literally struck by the color green of this hydrangea we planted fairly soon after we bought this house right yeah so this is its second full spring or summer like we planted it it, was it that early okay so it's about two years old and we haven't gotten flowers on it yet but it's in the front of our house and it's a climbing hydrangea and we put what is that? Like some lattice stuff we kind of put up against the side of the house so it could climb. So it's climbing up our house right now. And we got out of the car and both just kind of dead stopped and stared at it because the color green, it looks like a fucking cartoon. It's so incredible. So super green. (laughs) So that part of, of rainy Seattle is, is great. But yeah, usually like after 10 straight days of sun, the first day it goes back to rain, I feel like, so I'm feeling it's okay. Good. I've got a lot of like podcast work to do. So the rain is actually kind of nice. I don't feel like I have to make an excuse to be inside. Actually, that's true. I spent a lot of time distracted this week, but I was still being productive because I was mostly distracted by plants and I was outside like planting flowers and things like that. So, but yeah, it was hard to like come back inside. Because I knew the weather was going to change, and I didn't want to miss it. Um, so let's see, big things this week: the Chauvin verdict. How do you feel about that? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad the fucker's going away. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's the part of me that's, you know, that's happy that this happened. Um, then there's the other part of me that is like, how did it have to? How did it have to have this overwhelming amount of yeah. evidence? Why do you have to be able to watch? nine and a half minutes of somebody being killed on tape right, the whole in, in order for it to stick. And yeah, then there's the yeah. cynical side of me that it, thinks that it, the department is just, you know, he's the sacrificial lamb and they're, and they're like, well, you know, we'll burn him at the stake. And that, that sort of absolves us, but it sounds like uh, with, with Merrick Garland yeah. kind of, they're not going to get off the hook. So if that was in my, like my cynical take on things, if it, that was their sort of intent, yeah, then Merrick Garland's going to be crawling up their ass. They're not going to get away with it. Yeah, I think it's a a good thing. And on many fronts, it's just a good step in the right, one step in the right direction after, you know, if you think about it from the trajectory of like Rodney King 30 years ago, you know, 
till yeah, now. We it were, basically took 30 years. We of, were teenagers. We, yeah. we were, we were in high school. Um, oh, so FYI, Ben and I are born in the same year. He is in April, 1978 and I'm November, 1978. So when we say we talk a nostalgia, it's always, we were this age, we were this age. Yeah. And so, yeah, we were in high school and that was I mean, it was the only thing that was on TV and some of the first exposure to, you know, both growing up like in, in sheltered white sort of culture. Um, that was some of the first exposure I had to like, huh, what is it like? Why, what, what's going on here? Remember remember the name of that truck driver? Mm. The guy, remember the guy that got pulled out of the truck and got the shit beat out of him? You are putting me on the spot and I can't, but I can remember he was on a Saturday Night Live skit for like a a w- more than once Reginald Denny That's was, right. wasn't that yeah yes you don't right. know why that shit sticks why that those types of things stick in my head for some reason Reginald Denny that's right yeah and he pulled him out of the he pulled him out of the, and that yeah. was it was like was it live on the news and then it was, it was replayed heli- it, yeah, there was like a helicopter was, overhead and they, a bunch of people pulled him out of a this is during the LA riots a bunch of yeah. people like pulled him out of his truck and they were like throwing beer bottles at his head and sh- or you know bottles and things at his head and they beat the crap out of him. Well, so it's interesting like you're talking about that because uh this is now the conservative this is their line this is their talking point now is he didn't get a fair trial because the jury was afraid that people would rage and and do stuff like that and so they had to, you know, find him guilty to keep I mean, I guess they're going so far as saying keeping Black Lives Matter from being terrorists. You know, I mean, that's like that's their fucking bullshit line. But but at the same time, it's just like, well, what do you expect people to do? I mean, if you if you it it gets to a point where if you're not going to listen, if you're going to pretend like this isn't a problem, like, well, yeah, I mean, I think property damage is really the least of what people could do. And I can't. I can't get mad about that. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's again, it's, it's complete context removal. Yeah. Like, um, that's, and, and that's their, that's their playbook. Yeah. You know, they don't have a leg to stand on on anything. So they're going to, you know, basically blame, blame the sun for shining. Like <laughs> they've created this fucking environment that's the thing, or they've yeah. helped to create this environment. And now that, it's everything is is basically a, a powder keg and everything every every word is a spark like they you know they, they unleashed this monster now they're having to reap the fucking whirlwind i also i mean it's always so disingenuous to me the people that want to complain about protests or property damage or even riots you know it's like oh it's un-american it's un-american but they'll turn around and like cheer about the boston tea party and you know like historically when when it was when it was the 1700s apparently this shit was was great when it was white people doing it it to white people yeah you're right that's what it is yeah Yeah, that's patriotism but you know patriotism patriotism only works when you've got you know the memory of white people doing things <laughs> not like these days where you know memory or f- i mean just complete fabrication oh yeah in some instances yeah. the history is so twisted that it's yeah. it's not even real any longer oh no yeah no. boy wow how'd we get here oh from well, we chauvin, chauvin trial yeah to the la um, riots to the the sort of yeah it's a lot know. i actually feel I feel overwhelmed again. It was like I had this moment to breathe when Biden was finally yeah. president. Um, but it's just, there's so much. Yeah. There's just so much happening in the world right now. It just feels overwhelming yeah. at times. 
It's like when you it's like when you're driving and you're really really <clears throat> tired, and you start to nod off, and then all of a sudden you realize you're nodding off, and you get that jolt of adrenaline. You're like, okay, I am focused, I am focused, and then you know, thirty seconds later, ooh, it starts to come back over you. That's yeah. what just happened. Like we're yeah. all kind of back in that phase where we just woke up for a second. Now we're starting to get back into the routine oh, and the second, like the inequities of, of the world are starting to kind of creep back in. It's like, okay, yeah, we've got this, we got, you know, we've won these battles, but now we've got all of this, you know, other gerrymandering things. We've got the, the midterms that are going to be, you know, that ultimately could determine the, the course of our nation. Well, it will because, yeah, because um, the redistricting again, the Republicans have a chance to mm-hmm. take the house back without having to win any races. All they have to do is redistrict it yep. in a, in a way that, that they just will take it and yeah. there's nothing that can be done except of course, um, HR one would oh, yeah. prevent that. But then now we're going to have like a 45 minute talk about the filibuster, which I don't know that we have time no. for. <laughs> um, not today. It's, it's too fucking stupid <clears throat> to talk about. It's, 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 too, an, it's well. an idiotic piece of that institution that needs to just go away yeah i mean it's no longer effective that's one of the problems is there's so many things about our government now that it's just not they're not it's not effective anymore and there's this crowd of people that have such nostalgia for the founding fathers and and you know what they wanted and i'm like look i okay yeah cool like they made democracy (laughs) that's awesome that's but it's not the 1700s. And there is a at a point yeah. where your government, if you don't update it properly, yeah. it becomes antiquated and it falls yeah. apart. And I feel like that's where we are right yeah. now. I mean, it, you could take it on a long enough timeline. Imagine that we started creating, you know, rules and institutions 100,000 years ago. And you say, oh, well, you know, we did this to save people from saber-toothed tigers. It's no different. Like, it's a shorter time span, but you're still like, we're, we've got laws that, that are governing things that didn't exist at the time or yeah. things that nobody could have conceived of yeah. at the time. And the fact that people want to look at this, this document as like rote and it's not living and it cannot change, I think is just more a projection of those people yeah. being in, you know, incapable of changing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's what the problem is. All right. Let's talk about the podcast. So at the end of last week, uh, well, actually Let's talk about last week for a second. If you haven't listened to it, you should check it out. We talked to my friend Isabel, <clears throat> Dr. Isabel, about medicine in COVID and also some politics because that's how we met. And boobs. And boobs. That is also correct because we both have them. <laughs> um, hey, I you know, I've been inside for a year. <laughs> it's, I'm not getting as much exercise. So, yeah. <laughs> little, right. little move little move action going on oh boy um <laughs> so uh yeah anyway so check that out if you haven't heard it and i just want to say i thank you to everybody for the great response we got a lot of messages and texts and and things like that it was really cool it, um please feel free to rate us on whatever app you're using and write a review um Back to this week. So at the end of last week, I promised that we would continue talking about uh, professions in COVID. And that is true. However, it's going to be a different guest. I promised my friends Mary Catman and Tom Shear were going to talk to us about music. And um, that was the intention. But what happened was I listened to the podcast and I didn't think it was up to par. We had had some... Uh, Issues, technical issues. Ben did his best to edit it, edit through it. But I, 
I thought it um, took away from what we wanted to put out. So they are incredibly gracious and have agreed to re-record. And so we are working on that. All four of us, uh, well, Ben would be post-production, but um, all four of us are still working on getting our vaccines. And so we're trying to schedule around having a vaccine and having potential reactions and such. And then uh, we will bring you that podcast uh, at the quality that it deserves. So this week... We are going to continue talking about professions in COVID, but it is going to be with, uh, well, not just mine, our dear friend, Becky, who is a teacher with a couple decades worth of experience. And she is going to talk to us about what it was like, what she thinks COVID is going to change as far as the future for education. And um, we're going to talk about how the disease... um, affected her family very personally. So here's Becky. Welcome, everyone, to this podcast with my dear friend, Becky. Hi. I just want to say this, getting this podcast together has been a comedy of errors. We (laughs) scheduled and rescheduled, I think, twice. Mm -hmm. Then the sound didn't work when we first got on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then we recorded the first five minutes of this, only I hadn't hit the record button. Right. Which is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That is fine. That is fine. We can make this authentic. (laughs) So here we go with round two. (laughs) We'd like to start the podcast uh, with how we know each other. I know we just discussed this five minutes ago. We did. We can try again. It's fine. I can tell other stories just, you know, to keep this fun for you, too. Well, that's fine. Well, so we met met through our husbands. Here's a tidbit we didn't put in last time. We met through our husbands, but hilariously enough, our husbands met through... My husband's ex-girlfriend, mm-hmm. who is a friend of your husband. Yes. And you, of yes. course. Yes. Yep. Yes, we did. We ended up sitting directly in front of her <sighs> at your wedding, which was hilarious. Yeah. That you all all of you were great sports. <laughs> you were great sports. <laughs> it was I think you well, even we were ate having, together. <laughs> you had it at a winery and we were in like sampling wine until the literal last moment we ran out and just just yeah like an episode of Seinfeld the only two open seats were in front of Ben's Mm ex-girlfriend and her boyfriend at the time and so that's where we sat it was really funny yep yeah and it was 105 degrees it was yes it was in the middle of the desert everybody's hot comfortable weather There was musical theater, uh-huh. if I remember correctly. Was. It was a, that was a whole interesting day. I was knocked up. It's fine. <clears throat> That's right. We'll talk it got about my dad out. later and <laughs> how that, it got, that it got, Yes, it got leaked out at the wedding <laughs> that you had a bun in the oven. Because my knockers were gigantic. I mean, <laughs> there wasn't even a question. Yeah, you didn't have much of a belly, if eh. I remember. Eh. Was it just hiding? I don't know. Uh, who knows? 
Who knows? Anyways, that was, <laughs> well, let's see. Tommy's what? Tommy's six? Tommy's so six. That was, was 2014. So it was like seven years ago? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So we met sometime in 2013. I think we what did. we covered before was at an 80s party. Yeah, at a at a uh, an eighties party for my husband's fortieth birthday. Yeah, even though you had barely crossed into your thirties, right? Me at the time. Well, wait, twenty fourteen. I don't. I don't know. I'm forty two now. How old was I then? <laughs> I was mid thirties. Okay, all right. Yeah. Then you, we can still be friends. <laughs> it's fine. Oh, please, it's fine. Yeah, it was an eighties party. My husband was dressed like Magnum PI. And he nailed it. He did nail it. Yeah. Yeah. He did nail it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, what's funny. I, it didn't even occur to me today that we've been to each other's weddings. You guys flew out to Vegas for us when we eloped, I guess. I got to be in that very small group of people and it was fantastic. It was like such an awesome weekend. Uh Uh, Yeah. That was a, that was a good time. I'm glad that we did that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was weird. It was weird to cancel the big wedding. Um, and it was expensive to cancel the big wedding, yeah. but it turned out to be the right, uh, decision. Well, so and it's funny now anyways, because it's, you know, canceling big weddings then. Right. Talking about it then. Yeah. That's a really big deal. But now, I mean, my, you mean like pre COVID? Yeah. My, <laughs> is that what you mean? My yeah. side gig is with my best friend who does, uh, Wedding flowers. Oh, that's right. I knew that. I knew that and, you did. Uh, yeah, like florists. Yeah, it's yep. been it's been a, a creative a year of creativity for sure. Well, and that's <laughs> what we're here to talk about. And a lot of well. postponed <laughs> big parties and yes. So you mm-hmm. are a teacher, and mm-hmm. you were unable to postpone sort of the school year. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here to talk about. Um, Great. I know. A so lot. <laughs> I am going to bring this. Yes. Well, I am going to bring this up again because uh, I, I did it in the mock recording as well. But people should know you are a teacher here in Washington State. You were teacher of the year for your district and it was 2017, right? Yep. 2017. Yeah, that's right. And I remember very distinctly that it was early on in the Trump presidency. <laughs> and you told me that you were relieved that you were not chosen as the state teacher mm-hmm. of the year because you would have had to go to the White House. Yes. And you were like, no. I just, I couldn't. I just couldn't wrap my head yeah. around how that was going to happen and how I was either, was I going to turn it down? Was I going to be gracious? Was I going to like kick yeah. him in the shin? Like all I of don't these- even think I would have. I, I don't think that I could be in a room with him without just laughing uncontrollably right. at how ridiculous like, a human being he is. Is the, is the Oval Office going to smell like cheeseburgers? Like all of these. <laughs> it might. I had the weirdest dreams about it. It was just, what I say? What, you want. <laughs> I'd probably tell say. Tell the truth though. Like you. Yeah, I'm not going to tell Go the ahead. truth. I can't tell the truth about this. is a <laughs> podcast. Tell the truth. I can't tell you well, I wanted no, to punch I him was- in the nuts. <laughs> I was going to say the truth was you really wanted that cheeseburger, though, right? <laughs> but you saw, like, some of those sports guys oh got, God. like, They're towers They're so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, it I has will been... say quickly, the, the woman who yeah. did, who was Washington State Teacher of the Year that year, did a fantastic mm-hmm. job, and her whole platform was that she needs to talk about what it's like to teach um, especially uh, kids who are immigrants 
And she said, I can't. Oh, that's perfect. She said, I can't not go because somebody has to say it out loud. As much as I don't want to be there, it has to be said out loud. So I'm, I'm not, I'm blanking on her name right now, but, um, but she was, Google's out there. She was wonderful. I could probably, but I'm not gonna, but anyway, (laughs) maybe I'm a little bitter. (laughs) Let's tell everyone Mm -hmm. what. A little bitter. There's time. You can get there. You can do it. <laughs> and young. there can be like a sane person as president sure. at the sure. time. Oh, <gasps> no. Well, I'll wait for Kamala. Tell us what it is you teach. I, Where, what have you been doing for how long? I've been, I've been teaching for 26 <laughs> years. I started teaching in 95. That's right, right? <gasps> 25, 96, 2000. I don't do math. Math is hard. Um, so (laughs) so I taught middle school for a little bit and then I taught Uh at a alternative high school for a long, long time, like 15 years. Uh, and Mm -hmm. now I teach at a middle school again and I teach math (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it is hard and it's wonderful and it's fun. And I sucked at it when I was a kid and my mom was a math teacher. My mom was actually one of the, um, NFL teachers of the month one year. And so we got wow. to go to a Seahawks game at the Kingdom, and her face was up on the big board. Oh, that's some fancy back at the when they were at the Kingdom. It was the Kingdom that, that ages you right yeah, there. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, that was really fun. So, <laughs> um, okay, so that's interesting because I grew up with my mom was a librarian, and, and so now you are as well. No, wait, <laughs> I'm not a librarian. Not a librarian. <laughs> I mean, I write, but uh, no, I just meant, you know, the teacher vibe growing up with a teacher. I know what it's like. Yeah. So, all right. I looked it up today. So I had the exact date. It was March 17th, 2020. Governor Inslee shut down schools. Yeah. And funny enough, in all of the articles that I read at the time, it was, you know, until April 24th. Mm -hmm. That was the deal. It Mm -hmm. was March 17th to April 24th. Little did we know. Mm-hmm. What happened? How, what happened when when it shut down? What oh did my you? Gosh. What? Well, yeah. we actually left. We took off a little earlier than that in Seattle. We uh, shut down. Oh, slightly earlier. Pretty much. So that was statewide. Yeah, pretty much okay. right after Amazon sent all their workers home because we just do everything Amazon does about a week later. <laughs> oh, that's true. God yeah. bless them. And uh, (laughs) we shut down and we were, it was supposed to be two weeks. So that was March. I think it was March 12th or 13th. Okay. And so just a few days before that finally the governor gave in. And then some of my friends were in districts where they said they weren't coming back until the end of April. And I was like, holy shit, you guys, I'm so sorry. That must be so weird. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the way they handled it, I was teaching a sixth grade class at the time. Uh, sixth mm-hmm. graders are just little peanuts. I mean, they're the tiniest, yeah. <laughs> their voice, everything about them is just too cute. Uh-huh. And um, we got the email and I there, I shared a classroom with my friend Balika and we both got the email at the same time and we looked at each other and she's like, should I say something? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't think we should say anything because uh-huh. it wasn't till the end of the day. But then you could hear like from upstairs, like this giant wave of screaming and hollering and yelling and jubilation and celebration. Oh, they thought it was like vacation yeah. time, didn't they? As all oh, the kids dear. are getting the, the news. And she and I looked at each other and just kind of went, oh, this is not good. 
Yeah. They have no idea what's about to happen. We didn't have any idea what was about to yeah. happen, but I was sure it was going to be a few weeks. And I was like, oh, they're going to be. Sounded- yeah. And it just sounded like, I mean, we were all in lockdown oh or whatever. Gosh. It sort of sounded like, okay, here's a little bit time off from school. Yeah. Well, how yeah. many days into it? Like, when, how many, when did you start to get an idea? Okay, we're not coming back. I have to teach from home now. How did that happen? It here? was, I would say that it, um, I'm trying to remember. It's, you know, the whole, it still feels like it's March of last year. So everything is just for all of us. It's just so blended together. And I think mm-hmm. it was a few weeks into it where we were like, because then we thought, well, maybe we'll come back after spring break. And right, you know, it ran into that. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And at the time, the district said that everything that we had to teach was asynchronous. I'm so sick of that word. So everything had to be like, we had to record ourselves teaching a lesson. And then we'd have like office hours and kids would come in and ask for help. I'm teaching sixth grade at the time. (laughs) So you mean like in in whatever this online platform is that you are using, sometime you're giving a lesson and sometimes you're just sitting there office hours, like, like Mm -hmm. university, Mm -hmm. really? Yeah. It was nuts. It was wild. And then it was, as we started getting into May, it was like, this isn't gonna, we're not restarting. Uh-huh. And then as we got toward the end of the year, the end of the school year, I decided to start teaching summer school because I had I had no hope that we were going to start in the fall. And the districts mm-hmm. were saying, oh, no, we're going to start in the fall. And like, we're not starting in the fall. So I taught summer mm-hmm. school just to kind of get a leg up, you know, like figure out all the technology. On figuring out mm-hmm. like the online platform yep. and stuff. Yeah. So okay. I had a small group of kids who were delightful. They were from all over the district. They didn't know each other, and um, mm-hmm. we we really kind of gelled. We we gelled into this really interesting family unit after about a couple of weeks. And I thought, okay, this isn't this isn't going to be. It's going to be different, but it's not going to be the end of the world. We're going to be okay. What is the difference in communication style when you're standing in a classroom full of people and when you're staring at a screen full of faces? I actually am able to focus so much better because in a classroom, you Interesting. I have to have my eyes, you know, you remember being a kid. All over. And you're like, yeah. how does the teacher even see me right now? And it's like, I don't see you, but I see that silence over there and I know you're up to something. And, you know... on a screen, they're like right in front of me. They're on this tiny little Uh rectangle. I can see their faces on one screen. I can see the chat on another screen. I know exactly what's going on. Can you tell if they're like texting? Are they looking down? They're looking in their laps. Uh (laughs) Uh When they look in their laps. That would have been me. Yep. I'm so glad there were we didn't have cell phones when I was in school because I'd have just flunked out. So many reasons. I'm like so many there'd be so many awful pictures of me on the internet. I'm like, there is no way that this line that we're graphing right now is is that funny. I know that you're doing something. (laughs) I know something. Yeah. Put down the Bernie memes. Yep. Yep. It's time for math. Uh (laughs) So that was, it was really fun and I enjoyed it a whole lot. And I'm glad that I did it because um, the, the learning curve wasn't quite as steep. And also Uh I, I mean, there's this too. I did teach online high school in Everett for 10 years every summer. Mm -hmm. So 
I kind of, I got to kind of do the fun stuff because I had the basics already down. And so I've really enjoyed myself this year. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a popular opinion, but (laughs) I'm having fun. I mean, I'm not going to get mad at you for it. I'm glad. (laughs) You're welcome. So when, okay. So you're teaching summer school. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you have six-year-old or he must have been five at five. the time he's yep. had a birthday and so he was looking forward to his kindergarten. first year of kindergarten yeah. right yeah so you're working summer school he's hoping to go to kindergarten when did when did you find out this is not happening for us it was it was in the middle of the summer that it it was pretty mm-hmm. clear that the fall was going to start the same way that the spring ended and um mm-hmm. And then, and also for on the personal side of it, we found out right around that same time that Tommy suffers from um, focal seizures. And I don't think I knew that. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's not. I also haven't seen you in a year. <laughs> I, I still have your casserole so, dish. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, we'll get to that later. Okay. okay, okay. We'll get- <laughs> yeah, put that off. He, um, he. I had my best friend kind of. Uh, she was coming over every day to sort of do kindergarten with him because you mm-hmm. can't, there's just no way. There is no way yeah. to do your no, job and crazy. have a kindergartner or a first grader, a second grader, a third grader, a 10th grader. It's all, it all sucks. And um, yeah. anyway, because she was with him in one-on-one, she noticed that he had some funny tics. Like he would space okay. out and then start clicking his tongue against the roof of his mouth and then you know, as you say his name louder and louder and get closer to him, all of a sudden he'll like jolt and be terrified because he has no idea how was, you covered 20 feet yeah. in a split second. And why are you yelling my name? So the good news that yeah. would be scary <laughs> from that point of view, right? I like I zone out and then you're yelling you're in my in face, my face yeah. and yelling. And he, yeah. um, it takes a long time to diagnose those because, you know, in a uh-huh. classroom, you've got a ton of kids and it's harder. It just looks like you're spacing out. And mm-hmm. because he was one-on-one with somebody, I think we we chopped years off of getting that diagnosis. That's really fascinating. It's, yeah. And he's medicated and he's fine. Is it barbiturates for focal seizures? It's like a, called like a ops. phenobarbital kind of thing? Yeah. It's like ADHD kind of. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, so he's fine, <laughs> but it's been okay. yeah, it's been quite a year. But then, um, uh, he then started going to daycare. There was a daycare at the school he's supposed to be a kindergartner at, and okay. because I'm a teacher, um, uh-huh. we got and they'd already filled the spaces with with people from the community um, who are like, um, you know, our our front line grocery store workers and um, nurses and doctors. And once those uh-huh. spots were filled up, they opened them to teachers. So I started sending him there and it has been a dream. He hates and getting said school they had- <laughs> on a computer. He can't he- stand it. Oh, he can't stand it? No. Yeah. I think there's a lot of kids that are feeling mm-hmm. that way. But he went back to school. To get back to school. Yeah. They went back on Monday and he said he now yeah. likes his classes. So well, that's good. We'll stick with that for a bit. Okay. <laughs> so you started in the fall. How mm-hmm. many, how big is your class when it's not summer school? 
I have five classes of kids, right around 30 uh-huh. kids each, oh, a little under uh-huh. 30 kids each. So I've got 144 students and I mm-hmm. see half of them. Uh, I see them every other day. So I'll see first, second, okay. and third period on Monday, fourth, fifth, and sixth on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, we have a whole day where I just have office hours all day long. And, um, and we only do three periods a day because we have class for an hour and then there's an hour of asynchronous time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they can come in and have meetings with me or I can track them down. And it has. So, how does this differ from the format in school? You don't have office hours. No, so to speak, in right? school, I would okay. do the teaching, hand out the homework, and then they would leave and they'd get home and realize that the thing that they thought was so easy when they did it with me is now horrific and they can't do it anymore. And it's, um, I gotta say, I am so excited to see what happens with education after this. Like, so that's what I was just going to ask you. Like (sighs) what, what kind of, do you feel like there will be some permanent changes? I I feel like that's, we're going to see that all over the place. Like I'm hoping for to go drink drinks Mm -hmm. at every restaurant. (laughs) I really want that to become a thing. I don't have kids. I'm not worried about the schools. I'm worried about picking up a margarita on the way home. That's what I'm saying. And they now do that thing where they can (laughs) seal it in such a way so that you can take it to go cup. And if you get pulled over, it's obviously not an open container. It's just a margarita. (laughs) So I'm just taking it home. You know, everybody has their priorities. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. So do you think that uh, we might see public education uh, turn into having more of an office hour type university-like feel? Do you really think that could happen? Yes, I do. And I don't know where it's going to start first, but I'm going to fight for it. And I know that just about every uh, educator in my bu- in my building is just very excited to see how this is going to change things because for years and years yeah. we've been doing it in we've been doing this in a way that just doesn't work. It mm-hmm. it works for a small percentage of the people and and that's it. And by the way, those are the same kids that would do fine in whatever model you just put in, in front class. Of them. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> so let's right. just let's do this differently. Like. Um, last semester I had no kid in my class under a B and those B's were earned and it's middle school math, but I teach, um, I'm teaching algebra. So it's a high school credit mm-hmm. course and I've never mm-hmm. had grades that amazing before. And it's they- really interesting. And you, yeah. do you credit it fully to the one-on-one time opportunity or has I there do. been other changes as well? It's, you know, it's, you don't lose anything. Everything's digital. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's no piece of paper getting pulled out of your backpack that your cat pissed on. It's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, everything is right there. Um, I, I have records of all of our conversations. So like when a parent calls and says, my son says that you said this and I'm like, well, here's our conversation. Like it's, it's, it's really easy to keep track of everything. And then that's interesting. Yeah. And then the kids that I had that were struggling, um, I just, started instant messaging them. It's a trick that I learned when I taught an alternative high school. If you text message a kid, they will respond. Like if it's mm-hmm. just to them and it's not like a blast to a bunch of people, if it's like, you know, hey, Lacey, oh, that's interesting. you weren't here today. I miss you. Then all of a sudden the next day they're going to be there. And it almost always works. And this isn't any hmm. different. I send them a private message and say something about what I appreciate about them and how I see that they're struggling and I'm really excited to meet with you one-on-one and then they'll (laughs) 
If I don't see them, then I call a parent or a guardian or a Mm -hmm. significant adult in their life. Or if they have a special relationship with the counselor or with the security guard, or I bring in other people because Uh once I have them in the space, that's my wheelhouse. (laughs) Once they're there, I've got them. (laughs) They're mine. Clearly. I mean, if they're all getting B's. They're doing so good. A's and B's. It's really interesting. So because it's sixth grade, these aren't students you've seen before. Yeah. Oh, these are the eighth graders. So have you seen these kids before? Do you? No, because I'm new to the district. Yeah. Okay, right. They're all brand new to me. I have one one guy in class whose mom is a good friend of mine, but Mm -hmm. we don't tell the other kids that we know each other in that way. (laughs) Ah, well. (laughs) That's private information. But I'm sure that makes sense. (laughs) So what were some of the challenges? then? Because you seem to be giving it a glowing review. I really like it. I mean, I like teaching in person Mm -hmm. better, but there are some things Mm -hmm. that we're able to do right now that um, I'm going to be able to drag into the classroom with me. Like um, I use Mm -hmm. the, this program called Desmos. uh, That's a, it's a graphing calculator. You can teach algebra and geometry and trigonometry and all these things. And they've got Mm -hmm. these super interactive, um, tasks to do. And while the kids are doing these tasks, I can see every one of their screens on a little thumbnail on my screen. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, if I see somebody doing something amazing, I pin it and the whole class can see it. And then we talk about it. And if another kid is struggling, I'll pin theirs and say, who's got some suggestions for how this can be better. And it's slick and it's quick and it's meaningful and they're doing something with it. And, um, what is the program that, that was this something that the school district no. came up with or adopted? Or are you just using zoom or oh, what we're are you guys using, on? We're using Microsoft teams in Seattle, Okay, <clears throat> which, you know, I, I have a love hate relationship with it, but I'm starting to figure it out. And then, uh, and then this Desmos program is a, a national or maybe even bigger than that. I don't even know. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. I've been using Desmos is the calculator that our, uh, that is embedded in all of our state exams. And it's, oh, excuse me, okay. I'm going to cough. <clears throat> That's okay. It's a free graphing calculator, basically. Um, I know that I know that our friends at home can't see this right now, but it's one of my favorite <laughs> apps on my phone. <laughs> oh, it's on your phone. Yeah. Oh, it's an app on your phone. Uh-huh. Isn't that interesting? It's, okay. And it's... Um, my gosh, I can remember when I had to buy like a $60 graphing calculator <sighs> to take... Yeah. Freaking algebra in high school. The cheapest graphing calculator that I can find if you buy it new is like $105, which, by the way, is an example. I mean, I was buying it in the 90s, so clearly. (laughs) And it was probably (laughs) a Casio. But uh, (laughs) Yes, you're right. It probably was. Yeah, but the cost of those calculators alone is just a way that we remove educational access from a whole bunch of people. So here's what I was just going to ask you, too, is <clears throat> could you see in the future uh, a hybrid? Like you yes. have children in the classroom, but other children who maybe they can't get there. Maybe you're bringing in like rural children mm-hmm. or ones that have otherwise, you know, issues. Or maybe, you know, if a kid needs to stay home for a day, they could 
hop online if they wanted to. You know, I don't want to force sick kids to sit on their computer. Right. But like, it feels like there's more options. There are. If, if you could have if a hybrid can, class. Right. And, you know, I was super excited to hear about uh, Biden's idea about broadband for all. Um, yeah, it was in my brain when I was oh saying this because I was making the assumption that like rural, mm-hmm. they're focusing mostly on rural and inner city yep. areas that don't have, um, that that are more economically disadvantaged and yep. do not have the broadband. Um, and so that was in my head mm-hmm. when I was saying that too. And we have like, massive transportation issues for kids. Uh, right. We have kids who's, I had a kid in summer school, excuse me, I had a kid in summer school um, whose mom works nights. And so- he would get up in the morning and he would come to summer school with me, but his mom is, you know, either still at work or she just got home and she's gone to bed and he's got a little brother Mm -hmm. or sister to take care of. And, you know, coming to school for him would be incredibly difficult. Um, so Mm -hmm. it, it was, it's really, it's, it's a, it's an equalizer. It's, Right, like Amazing. it could be a need based mm-hmm. where where the school district would have to figure out. And we're giving um, out like hotspots for people know. now if they don't oh if they don't have internet at home. It's not it's not the best. It's a workaround. Um uh-huh. Um, but it's it's really it's really been kind of fantastic. Um and also this is something kind of fascinating. So Inslee has announced that we're all back in school uh the nineteenth. Okay. And um, we weren't expecting that. We were expecting it about the little kids, which is great. And mm-hmm. they're back and it's working really well. But the older kids, uh, the district had just kind of said, you know, we'll just restart in the fall. We'll figure this out. But when Inslee said, oh, no, 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 <laughs> April 19th, um, mm-hmm. my school, which is in North Seattle in a, a middle to upper class neighborhood, uh, predominantly Caucasian, about 80% of our kids are returning. So I've got, you know, out of, I have one class that's at 29 kids and 25 of them have selected to come back rather than to stay on the remote model. My friend who teaches it. So is it up, is it, is it up to the parents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically where the state is saying, okay, these are going to be open, but now you can opt. You pick. And then my friend who works further South in Seattle, um, only about 20, 20% 20% of their kids are returning. And I That's interesting. I want to And for know, those not from the area mm-hmm. in the Seattle area, north tends to be wealthier than south mm-hmm. and whiter. So, whiter. Wealthier and whiter than the south. <laughs> Up north, yep. yes, yes. And whiter. it's um I want to know why. I want to know the specs around that. I, I, yeah, that makes me really curious too. And you know, for some kids I, I've talked to some people about this and not being given a hard time because of what you're wearing or uh-huh. what you've got covering your hair or what your communication style is like or, mm-hmm. you know, anything that's other than Protestant, frozen, <laughs> you know, yeah. you will listen yeah. and pay attention. Um, just there's no discipline issues. You know, they don't, they don't have to fight with having somebody making an assumption about them because of the way that they look uh-huh. and they're at home and they're thriving. So why would we change? Why that? would you force them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Into back into that. That's really interesting. So do you foresee uh, teachers 
getting together or via the union and, and yes. things like that, pushing for we th- these are the changes that we need mm-hmm. in the classroom I do. permanently? I do. I do. And we're okay. all excited about it. We don't know what it's going to look like, but it's never going to be the same. We're, I was reading some articles yeah. about it. It's not, it's not that the path we're on is now a little bit different. We have shifted to an entirely different path and we yeah. need to make the most of it. We're, we don't want to lose this opportunity. We don't want to go back to how things were. Right. I feel like if, if everything has to change because the pandemic changed the world and it's like if we, it exposed so many ugly things that we were either ignoring or, uh, no, probably it's ignoring. ignoring. I'm just going to go with that. It's ignoring. Yeah. Um, and and yeah, I mean, if we don't embrace the opportunity for change, then what the hell did we all like stay yeah. in our houses let's, for a let's year? Let's make this for? be something that's a catalyst for something amazing. I mean, it has the yeah. potential of doing that. We might as well just do it. <laughs> I'm yeah, all I feel in. <laughs> I'm all in. I, I'm glad. Um, I mean, it's good to hear. I feel like it. I hope that it, that we do see major changes. Like, I hope ten years from now we don't even recognize the. Yep. education system or anything else in this country anything. for that matter. That would be, yeah. that would be incredible. I'm here for it. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so let's back up in the timeline. We kind of jumped all over, which is fine. Uh-huh. Um, so you taught summer school, you went back to school in the fall. Your son was starting his first year of kindergarten, was lucky enough to get into a daycare. Mm-hmm. Things in the fall seemed okay. And then uh, what happened? Well, <laughs> COVID, COVID hit my family. COVID hit my family hard. Um, my, my dad, my dad was born in 35. So old guy, uh, fascinating yeah. guy, long, long life. My, my mom's about, about a decade younger than my dad. And they live um, north of me in a pretty remote little cute area on a lake. Um, it's a retirement place and, um, they both got COVID and my mom called and asked me to come up and help. And I said, well, what, tell me what your doctor said. And she said, oh, the doctor said that this isn't COVID. This is bronchitis. I was like, okay, I'm on my way. So I got to my mom and dad's and I put on a mask and I was sitting in the living room talking to them. And my mom was just acting weird and very irritated. And she finally said, would you take off that mask? I can't hear anything you're saying. So I took my mask off and I hung you out with what? them. <laughs> Irritation, but that, mm-hmm. that is, was actually a symptom yep. of COVID. Yep. So at the time, she thought she was negative. Yep. She thought but she, she had was bronchitis. Irritated. She was irritated. She was exhausted. <sighs> I had no idea how exhausted, but I know now. And, um, <laughs> yeah. and so I took care of my parents and I drove home and then my mom called me, um, that was late at night. She called me early the next morning and said, oh my God, I've tested positive for COVID. So I, I made an assumption that when she said I have bronchitis, mm-hmm. that that didn't mean there was still a pending test out there. And I got COVID. And, um, I, the fog in your brain and the exhaustion and 
I, I would speak and just not make any sense. I would have dreams that didn't make any sense. I would fall asleep and not be able to breathe. I mean, it is just the strangest, most horrific, awful thing. And I barely got it. Um, nobody well, else. Let's talk about though. Yeah. It's a lesson. This is a mm-hmm. lesson in, in masks working because mm-hmm. you took your mask off Yep, around your mask. mom Yep, and you got COVID, got COVID and you went home. You found out fast enough mm-hmm. that you quarantined yourself mm-hmm. in a room yep. and everybody in your house wore masks and your husband and your sons yeah. never got never it. Never got it. I have my husband and my youngest son slept in the youngest son's bedroom right next door to mine, masked. They slept masked. My two older boys, I've got a 20-year-old and a 23-year-old, and they wore masks, and n- none of them got it. it um, you know, we've, we followed the rules to the letter. Um, it was over Christmas. And I know you were trapped in that room because you were oh texting God. me. Uh, <laughs> I'm so bored. So like, <laughs> you know what? Not even the crown is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I do believe, I do think I remember getting a text from you that was like, I've watched all of television. <laughs> it's done. Do you have any recommendations? I was so bored. <laughs> was like, you know, honestly, know. just staring at the wall was entertaining. I just, I was so tired. <laughs> and my very, my very best friend and her husband and her son came over to sing Christmas carols because it was over Christmas and uh, they right. were dressed like the plague. I will send you a photo. I but, don't think I saw oh that. I knew about that. That's great. Chris was dressed like a so, friar with the brown robe with the belt and <laughs> Kita looked perfect. like this, you know, she was like this turn of the century outfit. Uh-huh. But their son Silas had on a plague mask and they uh-huh. stood in the front yard and rang jingle bells and sang, God rest ye merry gentlemen. It was <laughs> really hysterical and I love them yeah, for so it. Yeah, so you were quarantined. <laughs> you spent Christmas, Christmas locked in a room by yourself. I did. I came out you at did. Christmas for 15 minutes, which is the recommended uh-huh. amount of time. We opened all the windows and the is doors. It? And Seattle, wow. Seattle isn't cold, but that doesn't mean it's warm. <laughs> No, <laughs> not with, yeah, I mean, so, you don't want the windows open no. in December. So it's like, you know, <laughs> upper 30s and we've got the windows yeah. and the doors open and I had a, ma- everybody had a mask. I watched my youngest open presents for 15 minutes and then I shuffled back to bed, you know, kind of like the Snoopy head down. <laughs> so sad. But, you know, things, things did get worse. So they did. <laughs> they did. They did get <laughs> they did unfortunately get worse, got worse in January. So yeah. your mom got better. She recovered. And mm-hmm. your dad started to get better. He started to get better. He's, and then um, he didn't. And then he didn't. He went yeah. into the hospital a few times. Um, the aid car would come and pick him up and his oxygen was low. And he had he had COVID and, um, and, and a, f- a few other things, but COVID primarily... And he was in the hospital. The last time he was in the hospital, it was um, maybe three weeks. And we couldn't see mm-hmm. him. Um, we could talk to him. His nurse would hold up her phone on on FaceTime so that I could talk mm-hmm. to my dad. Uh, there was one day where he just started getting that delirium that you're hearing about people getting when they're just not with their family. And they just... Um, they're confused and yeah, it's, it's torture. It's just torture. And, uh, there was one day when 
my mom called and said, you've got to help me. You've got to call your dad. And I called my dad and said, what's going on, dad? And he goes, I'm locked in my room. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me more information. Well, apparently he was so tired of being there that he was looking for his clothes and the nurses and doctors just had to lock him in for a while until he calmed down. And so I talked to my dad and had to say, you know, that must be so frustrating for you. I'm sure you're so angry. Give me more information, dad. Let's talk through it. And, you know, it was that, you know, I wanted to cry on the one hand because this is the strongest man I've ever known. And on the other hand, I'm like, okay, he's delirious. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know what he's saying. And he needs me right now to be an adult. So that was that was really rough. And then um, my brother... Jeez. My brother came to visit, um, and things were looking a little bit better. So he went home on... Um, I remember the Facebook post, and yeah. I remember telling Ben and being like, oh, my God, he's home. Yep. He's gone home. Like, this he's is good. Home. And David <sighs> David flew home, I think, on a Friday. And by the time his plane landed on Friday night, the doctor called and said, you know, he's not, he's not going to make it more than another week. So my brother went home. He said hello to his young family, um, repacked clothes, got back to the airport and then came. Uh, Mm -hmm. I spent the night with my mom. She was terrified. And, um, and the next morning at eight, they called and said, um, he's just got hours, get to the hospital. And they gave us the gift of being able to be with my dad. And we Mm -hmm. raced to the hospital, um, raced to the hospital. My brother at this point was still on a plane. He lives in Connecticut. And mm-hmm. um, when we suited up to go inside, I might have sent you a photo of that too. I do have a photo <laughs> of you in a hazmat suit, oh, essentially. my yeah. gosh. Yeah. It's two gowns, two pairs of gloves, um, a face mask, a face shield. The face shield cinches up around your neck so that- That's the part that looks- Yep crazy. It was nuts. They had a fan built into the hat so that, or the helmet, I guess it is so that you could still breathe. It was hard to hear anything. It was hard to see anything. I was crying the whole time. And I got to tell you when your nose is running and you can't touch it (laughs) and you can't touch it. Yeah. My mom looked at me and said, are you getting snot in your nose? I'm like, Oh my God, this is disgusting. But you know, what we do for well, love. <laughs> I, we, what were you going to do? What are you going to do? You you learned your lesson. Learned, you were not going to yep. take your mask I'm off. I'm not taking my mask yeah. off. And, and so even if I after eat a little having, snot, yes. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm like, going to do. You know what? I started my life doing this. It's fine. It's fine. I'm going to make it through I'm this. It's going to build my immunity against something. I don't know what, but yeah. He, um, and so, and I mean, that was lucky that because yeah. there have been a lot of, a lot of people who have not been able to have contact it was at all it was incredible what was he like was he aware <sighs> no when you were there no he yeah. wasn't he um they let us bring in um we they let us bring in our pastor um mm-hmm. i am i am a believer in god and um i am i am one of your favorite believers in god i think that's true <laughs> <laughs> because you're one that lives your beliefs as opposed to preaching them. No, and that's I don't. what I appreciate. I won't do that. Plus I get a yeah. kick out of your stuff. <laughs> but I but we have a we have a minister that that um has become just best friends with my dad and he's in his thirties mm-hmm. and it's adorable. 
And mm-hmm. um, he said, you have no idea what it's like to have a job where my job is to tell stories for a living. And I have sat at the feet of the greatest storyteller for the last few years. They would go to coffee constantly and dad would just wow. tell stories. And so Dan was able to come in the room with us and it was very comforting to have him there. Um, mm-hmm. We got some lunch. My my good friend brought lunch to the hospital because um, visitors couldn't eat at the hospital. So if you want to eat, somebody's got to bring it. And then mm-hmm. we went back upstairs and we decided to take turns. Um, mm-hmm. And my mom went to the waiting room and told me to go in first. And I went in first. And he he was breathing hard. He was mm-hmm. um, sort of sitting up. He had his mouth open. His tongue was moving back and forth. And he was just sucking in as much air as he could. He had a, mm-hmm. a little bit of oxygen going. He had a, a morphine drip and a little bit of fluid. Mm-hmm. And that was all. Everything else was taken off. And um, As far as the, you mean the equipment, the yeah. ventilator? And so, yeah. okay. He wasn't on a ventilator, but but the big oxygen... Um, the extra oxygen. Oh, uh, he, ha- he wasn't, gotcha. he wasn't okay. vented. Thank goodness. And he, um, he just, I sat there with him and I held his hand and I, I put what, my left hand in his left hand and I put my hand on top of his, um, his sweet bald head and rubbed his <laughs> forehead. And my niece, uh, Edith, who's just the sweetest, uh, sent a text message and said, um, please tell Papa I love him. And I leaned forward and I whispered, you just Mm -hmm. got a message from Edie. She wants you to know that she loves you. And I rubbed his head and rubbed his head and pretty soon he just stopped taking in air. So I called, um, I called the nurse and said, please come quickly. My dad's not breathing. Get my mother. And I held him and talked to him and daddy, it's okay. I love you. I've had a wonderful life. You're a wonderful man. And he just quietly went. It was peaceful and it was beautiful. And I will be forever grateful to Providence Hospital in Everett for allowing us to come in, for knowing how important that was. And um, the nurse came in and I said, is he gone? And his nurse said, I'm not going to check until your mom is here. So mom got wow. in the room. It took a long time because it's a lot of equipment. Because you have to get yeah, She dressed. had to get everything on. And yeah. she came in and sat on the other side and just kind of looked at me like, tell me this isn't happening. Oh, and the his nurse came by and checked his pulse and listened for his heart and then declared that he was gone. And that was it. And we sat and held him and cried and we sat there for quite a long time. And it's yeah. it's the most peaceful experience I've ever had in my life. It was um it wasn't scary. Um I I believe that I know exactly where he went. <laughs> and um and it was really it was lovely. Uh it was lovely. It was a lovely death. It was a lovely death that was due to COVID. 
fucking COVID. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's just kind of twisted. Just, you know, I mean, it's just fucked up. And it, and there's so many families that are going through this. Yeah, we did some math. And have... We did some math. And have been going through this for a year. You did math, We did. did you? My mom and I were on the way home. And we were like, all right. So get out my little Desmos calculator here. So... If it's amazing how you're tying this back in, right? To, to oh my math. gosh, <laughs> you have no idea. You would hate a road trip with me and my mom. I wouldn't. That's not true. So if if ten people are impacted by a death by somebody who dies from COVID, just ten. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a super low number, but I'm just trying sure. to right. If ten people are impacted, the day my dad died, three thousand more than three thousand people in our nation died of COVID. That is, I'm holding up a calculator, everybody. That is 30,000 people who had somebody that they loved ripped from them at a time that they would not have gone. 30,000 of us were feeling that intense pain that my mom and I were feeling at that moment. 30,000 people. Yeah. And it's just, it's sickening to think about there's no way we could have avoided the pandemic but holy shit there's no, certainly but- <laughs> a lot of ways we could have mitigated this yeah 30,000 people in one day having the, their most special person ripped from them every day for how every many days day. how many days was that that we were over 3,000 was at least a, i feel like it was a month at least it was it's incredible and you know, and it would have just kept going had we not had a changing of the guard. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, it's uh, it's mind blowing to me that just like the the change that's happened mm-hmm. in in a few months. It's um, and and how yeah. we're getting there now. Have you gotten your vaccine? I have. I will be double vaccinated fully. My two week past the second will be on Sunday. This is being recorded in early April. I uh, just got my first appointment made today. Yes. So it's next next Friday. Um, so by the time this airs, I should be fully vaccinated and pass my <laughs> two weeks. Unless I end up with the J&J. I don't know anybody that's got I don't the Johnson & Johnson so far. I don't either. But let me tell you this. Did- that means that by the time this episode airs, you might be able to get your casserole back. Okay. <laughs> that's right. The casserole. So... <laughs> You have my casserole dish. You are one of the very few human beings I have seen outside of my own household mm-hmm. and those in the grocery store. Um, because I made you a lasagna you after your dad died yes. and brought that over. My whole family we, ate it for days. <laughs> it was a big <laughs> it's a lasagna. lasagna. It's a big casserole <laughs> dish. <laughs> so, yes, and we we sat outside around your fire pit mm-hmm. with masks on mm-hmm. in the winter. Double masks. <laughs> Double masks, all of us, yeah. And uh, we did get to chat for a little bit, and I lovely. left you a spaghetti. You it was really weird to like see humans i know it's scary um, it's it's i'm ready though i'm, oh I'm ready gosh. i'm ready for the vaccine i'm ready tell me about for it. it i gotta tell you also <laughs> my students just to give them a little plug here they're yeah. so they're seventh and eighth graders who are in algebra and i i told them all the truth i told them what happened 
I told them what was happening about to me. your family. Yep, about I told them about my and dad. That you took your mask mm-hmm. off and I told all them of the, the things. whole thing. And I emailed mm-hmm. their parents before I told the kids and said, "Here's what's happening. This is what I'm planning to do. Just heads up. Mm-hmm. This is the conversation that they're about to have with their math teacher. So you know, whatever extra supports you need at your house." Um, and I, and I talked about it and, um, they were, they were incredible. The messages that the Mm -hmm. kids sent me, the cards that they sent me, the letters that they sent me, I, I can't, it's what, what our youth are going through right now. Yeah, I cannot wait to see what happens with our future. It's really going to make for an interesting generation, these alphas, right? Is that what we're calling it? Generation alpha I hope now? So. Is that for Z? <laughs> I think, yeah, the, the younger, you know, elementary. It. Yeah, I, I believe that's that's the kids that would be in middle school now would be gen, generation yeah, alpha. Yeah, you know, the more, when I think about it, so I have I have kids that are in their 20s. Right now, I have two boys in their yeah, 20s. Yeah, so those are your, ge- those are your, those are your Gen Zers, I guess. I don't even know. I well, well I think the, the youngest millennials, I think, are around 25 now. Okay. So, well, he was born in 98. Shit, that's right on the line, dude. I don't I know. know. I don't even know. <laughs> He's a cusp kid. But, okay. you know, when, when my big boys were little, that was mm-hmm. that was the helicopter age for parents. That's when... The kids were never home alone. They were never without right. an activity. They were never outside by themselves. None of it. My generation, we were the latchkey generation. You know, yeah. we we were the ones in the early 70s who now have two parents who are working. And I gotta say, I uh, I there's there are things that I learned doing that as a kid that I protected. I'm doing air quotes that I protected my own <laughs> children from and damn mm-hmm. it, I'm still making their sandwiches. Right. But, <laughs> but this generation that's coming up right now, when they're doing school at home, if they want lunch, they need to go make their own effing sandwich. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if they, if somebody knocks at the door, they need to know how to handle it when mom and dad either aren't home or like me are in an office with a huge sign on the door that says, if you interrupt me during this hour, I will kill you. So, <laughs> you know, they're kind of on their own. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. I mean, I'm excited with education. I'm excited to see what happens with these alphas. It's just, yeah. it's all, it's going to make the best movie. And that's when I'm finally going to understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just to, just to make like, like a movie or so, like a biopic Something. about the Trump, years oh my God, themselves. I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to have to be like a 40 part series on HBO or something because there's too much, there's too, too much. much happened in those four years. I haven't even processed all of it yet. I don't oh, think. I can't wait. I can't wait for the movie. <laughs> I'm finally going to understand it like- or you know, what's going to happen. We should, first of all, we should all watch this movie together. It needs to be a big old watch party. And secondly, okay. there's going to be some stuff probably constantly where we're going to be sitting in the theater and we're going to go, Oh fuck. I forgot about that part. I that, forgot that's what I was going to say. That's the thing. It's like, sometimes I'll, I'll, somebody will mention something or I'll see an old article or whatever and be like, I completely forgot that that even happened. <laughs> that thing because... that would have ruined somebody else's presidency. <laughs> yeah. I forgot that it happened because of the shit that happened 12 days later, yeah. 12 hours yeah, later. And because 12 hours later is more like it. So, God. So how, so do you feel, so do you have, 
you have hopes for the education changing. Mm-hmm. You have hopes now that we do have Biden in. Were you a Biden gal? I, I yeah, recall. I, well, I know your once, husband and I, and we're both yeah. Buttigieg yep. peeps. I've really loved <laughs> Buttigieg. Oh, he's just the cutest. I just want to hug him. <laughs> Which is what you want in a politician. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, is, yeah. is just, just the cutest. Oh my gosh, just <laughs> the cutest. But here's the thing. I love Biden, but I gotta say, Jill, Jill Biden. Yeah, I mean, she's fierce. Yeah. <laughs> She's pretty fierce. And she has a PhD in education. So she, I'm sure that's part yeah. of the reason you're you're down with her. <laughs> I am I am down with her. I there's it's it feels like my whole career, it feels like people who never have never been in education, first of all, all think that they can do it because they were all educated as children. So how hard can it be? And right, yeah. you know, and people the these all these other people make these decisions that they say, well, this is going to work. You need to do this thing. This is how it's going to be. And we're like, excuse me, <laughs> I actually yeah. am really skilled at this. Can you please ask me what I think? Yes, I. That is correct. She. There's definitely an advocate in the White House for teachers, which mm-hmm. is a positive thing. I also feel like if there's something positive to come out of the pandemic in the way of regarding teachers, is that it. It does seem like. A lot of people came around to the idea like, oh, teachers aren't just babysitters. Like right. there's a lot that actually goes into this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, that's great. I think, I think it if if that becomes a, a wake-up call of some sort, um, then that could be something for else it. positive that could come out of it. I'm this. totally saw, for it. I saw a meme the other day that made me think of you, and it said something like, um, there's not a teacher shortage. There's a master's level educated wants to work for $35,000 shortage. And I was like, yep, that's true. I don't <laughs> know why true. we can't keep the good ones. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, especially in your school district where, you know, rent is so cheap. Oh my God. And houses cost less than $800,000. Oh my goodness. There, there are, I have so many colleagues who don't, who do not live in the area where we teach because you just, no, I mean, Dave Matthews lives around the corner, right? <laughs> I mean, come yes. on. Oh, now I know what neighborhood you're talking about. <laughs> I, I don't think I realized where, <laughs> yep. I don't think I realized where you had moved to because you changed mm-hmm. just recently. Um, but now, because you know, I know there's a few very rich white neighborhoods in North yeah. Seattle, but now I know more what you mean. That's the one. Um, that's, that's pretty funny. One. Yeah, it's uh, ah, it's funny. I mean, kids, kids are kids wherever you go. the The kids have, well, of course, needs. yeah. It's kids just don't that they get dropped off in a Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the classroom I taught in last year, the view from the window is the skyline of downtown Seattle. I remember doing. Oh, <laughs> I did parent night in nice. there, and I had these parents in there, and I was like, before I before I tell you about myself, can we all just look out the window, and can we all just. <laughs> appreciate this this it is a this. beautiful city yes <laughs> I've been asking everybody, I I don't even know if I mentioned this to you beforehand, so I'm gonna put you on the spot. But <laughs> as we wrap up, no, it's not it's not a big deal. Is there is there anything that you feel like you want to promote? Do you have a cause? Is there something in the way of teaching? Is there like Math Teachers United that needs donations? <laughs> I don't know. 
<laughs> I, yeah, just, I mean, I want, what's important to you that you want other people to hear about? That's what I mean. What's important to me? I I want to remove racism from our schools. I don't want the structure of education to be one that's racist or that keeps people out of it or that, yeah. that there's too many barriers to getting to it. Uh, we've got some and you, incredible, and you, incredible minds out there. And you're feeling like the changes that could come post-pandemic will help bring equity in that regard. I, I feel like that's what you were hinting yep, at earlier, that is, if not outright saying it. That is exactly what I want. That is 100% what I want. Um, yeah, well. And, you know, even on a day-to-day, like I start my class and I every day I have some kind of contributor to STEM on my screen. Um, mm-hmm. A black man, an Asian woman, a, you know, um, White men, they make it there too from time to time. They do every once in a while (laughs) accomplish something other than colonialism. I don't know. But I got to (laughs) say, when I do searches, like with if we're learning about the quadratic formula or something, and I do a search Uh to figure out like what what BIPOP contributors do we have to this topic, um, it's a a dig to to find. And I know that they exist. It's just that it wasn't recorded. And so mm-hmm. um, just for, for kids. Or, or it was recorded, but it was recorded as the accomplishment of a white, a white person. man. Yeah. Mostly. And, you know. It, I mean, we stole all their music and <laughs> dance moves. I'm sure we stole uh, math, too. We did. We did steal math, too. I was talking I'm about. Certain of it. I was talking about certain the square it, yeah. root symbol the other day. And the furthest back I could take it was um, Arabic. And I'm like, you guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> this, yeah, check this out. But here's the thing. Here's the last thing I want to say: that when our when our children see somebody that looks like them in different positions, when they can see themselves mm-hmm. in that position, that's what motivates them to be this great yeah. thing that they can be. They just have to see themselves represented in it. And if all we're showing is you know, right. somebody who looks well, if like the only people right. that can do anything are white people or white men in particular, then why am I trying? Why am I even trying? Why do I need to bother to know the quadratic formula? Yeah. My, my aunt told me that math is hard. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's weird that some people can't seem to understand that. It's probably because they are in the privileged position where mm-hmm. they've always seen themselves yeah. and can't really understand oh my gosh. outside of that, unfortunately. Lacey, I have spent so much time this year dealing with my own internal biases that I can't see. I had Yeah, I feel you. I've no had a lot of time idea. to sit and think about that. I'm sitting and thinking about it. I'm reading about yeah. it, watching shows about it. That's what I want people yeah. to do read about it, think about it, watch shows about it, talk to other people about it. It's really important and it is about time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, is about it really time. is. And and the other thing is like it's it's up to us to do the work. You know, it's not like especially cut from where we live, you know, we're in this ridiculous liberal elitist bubble, which is, I mean, there's a lot of truth to that (laughs) living here. I can, I can verify a lot of that. And there's this sort of like liberal West coast way where as long as we express our support verbally, like that's about as far as we're going to (laughs) go. I say we, not you and I, I don't mean you and I, but I mean this, this kind of this, this bubble. Yeah. And this bubble that we live in and there are liberal bubbles all over this Mm -hmm. country. I mean, they're cities mostly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The point is 
Um, especially, I feel like especially in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of virtue signaling, yeah. but not a lot of time that people really go, okay, well, I meant other people had to yeah. deal with that and do right. the work. And it's not up to, it's not up to people of color. It's up to us. It like, is. We're the ones that have to figure it out it and is. do the work. And it's uncomfortable and, and it's hard to know. It's hard to know that you have these these things because you've always been a certain way. You don't know until somebody yeah. points out to you that you know that that tune that you're singing right now super racist. The other day, this is my teaching thing. The other day I was teaching the quadratic formula. I keep coming back to that. It's on my mind. And you know, I <laughs> we were singing it to the tune of Pop Goes the Weasel and I woke up in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the morning, I was like, oh shit, got out my computer. Is Pop Goes the Weasel racist? <laughs> Oh my God. Cause you know what? That's a really good thought. Yeah. Of course it could be. There's Yeah. It's because, not. I mean, nurse, nursery rhymes in general tend to be really, really disturbing yeah, if you know what they're actually saying. It's actually, but that's a good <laughs> yeah. That's a good that was a good thought that you mm-hmm. had, actually. That's the so kind what, of thing what, we need to do. Right. Well, so what was the history of Pop oh, Goes the Weasel? Well, weasel is Cockney slang for throat. And <gasps> it's about punching someone? No. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Like pop, like no. Or are they coughing? Pop goes pop. the weasel. No, I'm thinking like I would pop the weasel. Wait, just tell me. <laughs> okay, I'm just gonna tell you. This is terrible. No, it means that you. It's cold, and you have sold your coat because you want some alcohol. What? Wow. Pop goes the weasel. Okay, I just thought it was like a reference to a throat punch for nope. a second. <laughs> no, but but now it is. <laughs> now it is. <laughs> That's what I do when I'm in a fight with someone. I'm just going to throat punch him and just be like, pop goes the weasel. Yeah. Yep. And I, you know, we, we had, I talked start about a new it. Trend. Right. I talked about it in class. I was like, I just want to let everybody know. I looked it up. It's not racist. It's actually, it's actually <laughs> it's about a- selling your jacket so you can afford booze. It's about being a drunk, mm. which is so much better, I guess. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You know, I just also, I'm, I, this is a gin and tonic, everybody. It's, it's that. It's, it's my, my, my. They can't see it. <laughs> I know. I'm just letting you know. I, I am enjoying Mama Needs it's here. the it's next to your, It's next to your math app. It's <laughs> like, that's what math teachers do. This they, is, they do math and they drink gin. gin. I mean, mm. is there any other way? <laughs> just together All right, like Becky. and carrots. Yes, dear. All right. I'm going to let you go from this. I want to say thank you. Thank you. This has been um, so fun. I can't wait to hear all the things. To hear yourself? No, not me. <laughs> we all, our, our own voices sound terrible to all of us, but. Uh, it's really true. <laughs> yeah. Every, uh, it's a good, it's a, yes, I'm, cause I'm having to listen to these back and I've discovered how much I hate the sound of my own voice. Well, I love the sound of your voice. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. (laughs) Thank you for talking to us about teaching and about your experience with COVID. And thank you for opening up about your dad. I appreciate it. Well, my pleasure. Next week will be part one of a two-part talk with three amazing women in my life. Christy, Rose, and Morgan join me to talk about life with multiple sclerosis. In part one, you'll hear their origin stories from symptoms to diagnosis. And yes, I mean origin story because these women are fucking superheroes. And you better get ready because they don't hold anything back. ZSF The Podcast is a Space Bear Media Production. Executive produced by Lacey J. 
Sound engineering and original music by Benjamin Trim. You can find Space Fair Media on every major podcast app and reach us at email at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and follow the OG Facebook page, Zero Shame 40s. If you'd like to help spread the word about CSF, the podcast, please subscribe and give it a five-star rating. The views of our guests are not necessarily the views of ZSF, the podcast. We're just here to give you a voice.